0: Hey, folks. Thanks for joining me on Ultra Habits. I'm your host, Arjun Singh. My show is dedicated to all things executive. Here, we understand the unique challenges of executive life and the things that will no doubt come up in your business and personal life that have the potential to impact you negatively. On this show, we interview the world's top minds from the fields of Business, medical, military, sports, the sciences, academia, and much, much more. Our goal is to leave you after every episode with more knowledge, wisdom, and awareness that ultimately help you improve your habits and move you and keep you at peak performance. Enjoy. And again, folks, thanks for joining me. Yes. Are traditional universities preparing people for today's world? The debate is on regarding traditional institutions and their ability to deliver the skills, resources, and mindsets for all Australians striving to enhance their lives. Hence the meteoric rise of organizations like the Australian School of Entrepreneurship and the sweeping success of its CEO, Jaheen Tanbir. We dive into his incredible journey into entrepreneurial land and TikTok after losing his job and how we continue to connect the dots, pivot, and ultimately arrive at a place which is now changing the game of the educational landscape in Australia. Enjoy the show, folks. Jaheen, welcome
1: to Ultra Habits, man. It's great to have you on the show this evening. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to spend my afternoon Wednesday speaking with you, mate.
0: Yeah, you you obviously don't have uh, kids because around this hour it starts to get a bit funny, right? Like if I start... If I try to do this podcast at five o'clock, my daughter will be walking through the studio door, kicking at the door, yelling, screaming. So you still got some flexibility in your day. And we were talking about that earlier. uh, You're working a lot, aren't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I would be able to maintain my lifestyle if I had kids at this point. So let's not even touch upon that topic just yet. Give me a few more years. But no, it it, it has been busy, as we coined uh, at our work, good busy. So we call it good busy, not busy where it's like, I'm on my knees, and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. It's more about things are happening, things are progressing, and it's fulfilling in that sense. How do you know if something's good busy? I think for me, good busy, at least the way I describe it, and it might get a bit philosophical just to start off with, but I'm not a big fan of happiness. I don't believe happiness is the end goal. I think happiness, for example, I could grab a Cadbury chocolate, have happiness for about 15 seconds, and then i will be like, this fleeting emotion's gone, I need to get to the gym, that was too many calories. For me, good busy is about fulfillment. It's about how I can wake up this morning, do a lot of work, feel exhausted. But once I leave my laptop, I can feel fulfilled. Like I actually made impact. I actually did something that mattered to my team, my people, and also just the collective general community. So that for me is good busy, where I feel fulfilled and feel like my decisions made an impact
0: and yeah, that's a that's a brilliant comment and i think from someone so young i think there's a lot of insight i think that a lot of people they make comments like you know happiness is in every but they they don't truly believe it they still pursue fun or this superficial happiness but what you're talking about is is meaning and i often talk about a study that was done a bunch of researchers hung out with parents and none of the parents particularly of young children said it was fun but they derived a lot of meaning from it like parenting's hard and it sucks a lot of the time right we got threw up on my daughter threw up on me last night This today she was kicking me in the stomach because she didn't want me to change her nap but like that's not fun and it doesn't make you happy but what makes you happy doesn't always give you meaning right and so the question is is how did you get to a place where you started to get this level of wisdom and that's what we're gonna. Impact today, So, for those that don't know you, you're the co founder and chief executive officer of the ASC Group. It's the largest youth innovation and entrepreneurial provider. The School of Australia School of Entrepreneurship. Impact is massive. 182,000 people have participated in your face to face and online education programs. 51% of your alumni are based in regional, or remote, rural Australia, which is massive. I mean, in a country which is so regional, per That area, those areas have access is massive, and over but two million dollars worth of income, revenue, grant funding, external investment has been made and generated by alumni. Like this is, this is massive stuff. And your organization's not that old, right? Like we're talking about a couple of years, right, or a year or two.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been officially out for about two and a half years ish. So, still, still fairly new. What's the
0: journey? I mean, I saw a post saying, you know, you were you were saying something about to the effect that you had lost your job or you were in a job that sucked. You didn't really know what to do. Give us the story, man. Like, how did this thing get born?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think whenever I, you yeah, know, talk about my story, my story is mainly out of necessity rather than choice. So it wasn't something that I ever planned. It was more around what life threw at me. So. My story, like I was born in Bangladesh, so first gen migrant, moved to this country in 2003 with my immigrant parents. Um, And so a lot of my early childhood followed a very typical migrant story of, you know, growing up, trying to find a sense of belonging. I grew up in Western Sydney. So there was a lot of that side of the world in in terms of identity, in terms of what do I actually want to do with my life? And so for me, my choices were always healthcare. You know, uh, being South Asian, my parents drilled into me. You either do healthcare, medicine, engineering, or don't even think of calling us parents. And so, uh, gladly, that's changed uh, in terms of a it narrative.
0: not like a nurse.
1: That's not like a nurse. That's like a doctor, right? Like a, like a place where she's well you all really well, um, to have good status, as they say. Um, And so, that was sort of my trajectory. I was like, okay, I'm going to do something mean, healthcare-related. Um, I was very... Book smart, massive nerd, because that's what education was to me and our our family. Uh, And so I was like, medicine takes seven years. I can't study for seven years. What's the alternative? And so I graduated high school and studied optometry because I was like, five years, I'll get my bachelor's and master's. It's respectable, high income paying. Parents should be proud. And so I started that and actually moved to Canberra for university. Absolutely hated it. Life was being miserable to say the least. I think it's an incredible occupation, but for me, it was just boring. It was really had a deal, it was meticulous. And I <laughs> feel like what I wanted to do as a person was not being fulfilled. And so, what I ended up doing was I started deviating a little bit. And so, first year, secondary university, uh, I was like reaching out to different organizations in different industries, like, you know, in in industries such as advocacy and industries such as uh, volunteering, charities, not for profits. And I was like, Hey, I'm 18, I'm 19, I first year university student, I don't have much experience, but can I volunteer my time and learn from you? That was it. Just genuinely being curious and fascinated to learn, because again, I barely had any friends in Tampa when I first moved, because my entire community network was in Sydney. And so I also wanted to make friends. And so I started doing that, started volunteering for a couple of years, just learning skills on how do people talk? Like, how do you network? What does it mean to grab a coffee with someone? Like, what do you ask there. And so those are the things I started doing, and I started, you know, developing myself as an advocate, um, you know, speaking on different panels about volunteering and the journey of being a young person. Really, really cared about that. Like I'm a big, you know, believer in representation, and so I really wanted to be that person. And then the lockdown hit, and the life became very miserable, as as it was for a lot of us. So I was just stuck at home, and I was like, I was progressing so well, and now look what happened. I'm miserable. I'm helpless. Um, and so that was a very difficult time. 2021 made some very poor decisions in terms of you know, not, not believing myself, self-doubt. And then lockdown lifted in 2021. And I was just like to myself, what is one thing that I've always wanted to do? What is one thing that I've always wanted to do, but has have always been afraid of? And for me, it was starting my own business. I love the idea of starting your own company. It's almost like your baby, you're building it from the ground up. I've always been fascinated by it, but I've always been afraid of it because I was like, it's scary. I have no experience for an MBA or anything but it was like, let me give it a shot. And so last year in April 2022, I started my first company called Breathe, which was an ed tech social enterprise, all about teaching young people public speaking. So growing up, I never felt like I had a voice. I always felt a little disenfranchised being a first general migrant. I felt like, what can I see myself actually, you know, hustling and building and public speaking education was that thing. And so I started that company. Uh, That company lasted for about six months. We worked with a bunch of Epic people like Canva, McKinsey, Commonwealth Bank. And then six months later, that company got acquired by the ASC group. And then I was appointed the new CEO at the Australian School of Entrepreneurship. And now, you know, I went from a one-man band to a team of about 38 staff members all across Australia in every state and territory. And so as you can expect, it's been a massive learning curve. It's been a lot of adrenaline, a lot of excitement, a lot of mistakes. But more than anything, it's been a very non-linear pathway, to say the least.
0: So that product bring was that a digital product or was that a manual kind of application you were going to schools and stuff or is it a mixture of both
1: Yeah so it was definitely a mixture of both so one part of it was educational programs so delivering workshops training around public speaking so actually physically going to schools councils corporates um you know sports teams and delivering that training and then there was also an educational uh, e-learning platform uh, where at that stage I was uh, on my way to build a build an app to build a ai technology which I was looking at it on how you know if you're on a zoom call for example how do you you know have something that pops up to say hey you've used too many filler words or you haven't made good uh, eye contact so things like that so those were the things in motion obviously i didn't have time to go in depth uh, in those six months but that was the focus and uh, but most of it was in person and i i think last year I had about sixty-five to sixty-six flights all across the year, uh, because I was the only person. I had to fly down. I tried to get casual, you know, facilitators, but nobody could understand what I was trying to do. And sometimes I didn't understand what I was doing in those workshops. I was just making up as I as I went by. Uh, but that's how it was for six months.
0: When you started breathe, I mean, what was like, walk us through that pathway? So, like, you start a company, you register your company, and then you create content and then what you're cold calling councils like how do you go from having no content to content to calling councils to to then dealing with McKinsey to then having a tech product like was there investment there like how did you iterate through that process because i think a lot of people don't really know how to get from idea in kitchen table to market and then ideate their product like what walk us through that journey you know, tactically?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was quite a fortunate journey and I'm going to show my age here to all, all the listeners. But funny enough, I started on TikTok. And so all I had in April was a logo, um, a website and by services. And so I was like, how do we get customers? Cold, cold emailing doesn't seem to work currently because I've got nothing under my belt. I've just got me as a person. So how do we get customers to actually pay for my service, pay for this workshop? And so I was like, I need to pro- create content. And so I thought YouTube, YouTube would be a really cool opportunity. I've always watched YouTube, YouTubers sell courses and stuff. That could be really cool. And then I realized YouTube videos take ages to edit and all these things. And I had no talent in any regard of creating YouTube videos. And so I was like, what's the easier than that? That, you know, while I was still studying, I was still studying optometry at the time. What's the easier than that? So I was like, TikTok. At the time, TikTok was blowing up. Granted, it was mainly entertainment, a lot of dances, a lot of that good stuff. But I thought, what about educational content? What if I started creating my own niche of public speaking educational videos on TikTok and see if people actually want me to come down for workshops, training, programs, etc. And so I did that. I created a TikTok account all around. I think my title, sorry, my handle was Public Speaker Life. So I kept it as general as possible. Didn't even include anything to do with Breathe, it was just public speaking content. And that's what I did every Sunday, spent about one hour every Sunday uh, for three months. I created about 10, sec- 10 videos, each 7 to 10 second videos, all around things like how do I get over a stuttering, how do I get over the fear of stage fright, um, three strategies to, to to you know do a TED talk, whatever it was, anything public speaking related, it was just my face, my voice, and some you know, trending songs behind um, those videos. I'd say the first 10 to 20 videos reached a maximum of about 100 views, 200 views, which in TikTok terms is horrible. I should have quit. I should have, you know, literally deleted the app. But I was like, I'm having fun. This isn't too bad. And so I just continued. I continued doing that. And then I'd, I'd say about my 25th video, I went to bed one night, woke up the next morning, it went viral. It reached about 2.8 million views. I'd say quality-wise, it was probably my worst video. I wasn't even speaking in that video. But for some reason, it blew up. It went to... I think it was just... I just got lucky. I think it put a really nice trending song in the background. And that blew up. And obviously, when a video blows up, people become curious. They're like, okay, who's this person making public speaking concept? And all my other videos that were at like 100 views or 300 views, that blew up as well. one of the view, one of the videos that was, you know, barely surviving at 200 views hit 1.8 million views, and I was just like, this is insane. And so what I did was I put my email on my TikTok bio, and then people started reaching out from schools, universities, corporate, L and Ds, um, sports teams, random people. Where for me, I was just like, how are you on TikTok? You like I thought TikTok was for the younger generation, but then they all started reaching out, and they're just like hey, do you do corporate public speaking training or public speaking workshops? And I was just like, I don't, but I can. <laughs> and that's where all the programs, workshops, that's where TikTok was, uh, sorry, that's where Breathe was both. Um, I was just like, I don't know what any of this is, but I'll design it because there's clearly demand for it. And that's that. the rest is history, as they say.
0: That's incredible. So you um, had the courage to put yourself out there and develop the the kind of business model after understanding what was required but also you know i think but it's a really interesting message right the world is noisy and in many ways social media has made it noisier but you're you have a real tale of being able to leverage social media quite effectively right and i suppose if you never did that this whole thing would have evolved right
1: yeah absolutely i think i'm a, I'm a massive believer in the idea um of personal branding being more important than just your resume and cv i think we live in a generation now where it's great to have a CV, it's great to have a resume with all your experience and the and the and how it's formatted. But the reality is, every single person before you hire someone, you'll always check the Instagram, you'll always check the LinkedIn, you'll always check their presence on on Google. You will Google search them, and so I think having a personal brand in terms of what you've done in terms of how you've done it is very, very important. And so for me, I sort of identified that and said, okay, if I want people to actually, you know, again, bring me down for workshops or program, I want them to know how I speak, how I articulate, like, what type of energy I bring. And the best way to do that is video format. And so that, that is what TikTok helped me. I was just like, let me make the most of this because it's clearly blowing up as a platform, but I, I can't dance or do all of these things to save my life. Why not build my own niche up educational content and to to this very day you know we we still do public speaking workshops at the ase public speaking programs that's on our you know specific niche we do a bunch of other things but it's still something that you know we do and i always refer to my tiktok account as the the, the platform for where it started and so i think personal branding who you are how you communicate is very, very important, especially in business and entrepreneurship.
0: Would you consider yourself someone that's in com- in naturally comfortable in, in, in speaking the environments? I know that I've seen some stuff where you admitted you've had nerves, anxiety. Like, are you because you come across as an extrovert? Like, you're, you're, you're very explosive in terms of your personality, and you've got a lot of energy, which is great. I would, you know, say without knowing better that you might be someone that is relatively comfortable in front of a camera, particularly if you have preparation. Is that assumption correct, or you have you had to fake this and, and kind of learn this and, and make it up as you've come along?
1: Yeah, Arjun, I have to burst your bubble right there. I'm a massive introvert. Naturally, I'm incredibly introverted. Um, even growing up, for example, I had a lot of social anxiety. I was the quiet kid in class, and that, that's, that's my genuine personality. Like, I would rather spend time with myself going for a walk or you know, doing something there rather than going to a networking event, for example. But I've sort of had to, as you said, break out of that shell because, um, like I said, growing up, I've always been the quiet kid. Every parent's interview when I was young was always like, Julian's a very good student, never causes any trouble, but he does not talk. He is too shy. He's so quiet. Um, That's been my journey. And so I've sort of had to realize that about my senior year of high school, that if I actually wanted to be influential, if I wanted to achieve any goal or dream of mine, I needed to learn how to talk. I needed to learn to go into any room and actually be taken seriously. When you're quiet, which don't get me wrong, I think some of the most introverted people, quiet people are very, very good critical thinkers. They're incredible human beings, incredible leaders. But the truth is the world we live in with so much social media and so much of here's what I do. You have to be, you know, you have to put yourself out there. You have to be energetic. You have to show a level of charisma to, for people to actually take you seriously. And so I've sort of had to break out of that shell. And I think volunteering, as I mentioned at the beginning, has helped me a lot because when you volunteer, you go into that frame of mind without any expectations. You're not getting paid for anything. You're just yeah. there because you have to be there to fit a role, to fit a fit a job, to meet people. And so I think that I owe a lot in terms of developing myself because I'd, I'd learned how do people talk? What do you do with your body language? It, how do you stand... What's the difference between putting your arms in your pockets compared to keeping your palms open? And so I'd say that really helped and yeah, I had to break out of my shell. Even to this very day naturally, I'd rather be at home watching Netflix than being on stage and giving a keynote. But I know giving a keynote on stage will help me not only impact people but also build our business to build my personal brand that side of the world. So it's definitely been a massive learning curve, trial and error, um, but it's it was never easy um, it was just one of those things where i had to just tell myself if i wanted to be the person i wanted to be i have to get out of my shell it sounds
0: pretty soon you might be watching a netflix story about your life dude <laughs> you never know bro look at some look at some dodgy indian actor bangladesh yeah
1: but, uh, i mean if sarah khan will do it then i then uh, kinda...
0: walk us through then so how did he breathe what were the what was the mechanisms there in terms of how he Became acquired by the ASE. How did that evolution take place?
1: Yeah, absolutely. um And sort of the story of Breathe and the acquisition was all around again personal branding. So whenever at when, the moment I started Breathe, from the moment of me announcing it to the new logo, I was building in public. Hashtag building public, as you know, is one of the most important, one of the most trendiest thing in the entrepreneurship world. And I decided to myself that everything I do for Breathe, I'm going to build in public. And so any milestone any workshop that i did with the breathing it was all on my linkedin it was all on my twitter it was all on my instagram and so i was just putting myself out there showing people what i'm doing how i'm doing it the highs the lows the ugly the 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 struggles and so i was reaching out to different people and then taj Bavaria, who started uh the aac group is an extraordinary human being started you know up at 14 years old um i sort of reached out to them and it's like hey uh, I know you exist. I want you to know that I exist. So if there's any way we can collaborate in the future, I would love to. And my expectation was, you know, they do a bunch of programs and events. I'd love to come in for an hour, 90 minutes, do a public speaking spiel and just leave. That was my genuine expectation. And we we touched base, you know, we got along really well in our first chat. And then, you know, I continued my merry way, posting a lot of content. And then one random fateful day, I think I, I went to Melbourne. I'm a massive football fan. So I went to watch Manchester United in Melbourne, uh, and then I flew back home to Sydney, and then I got a LinkedIn message the moment I landed um, in, in Sydney from Taj and said, hey, we love what you're doing at, at, with Breathe, what would it take if you were to do Breathe under the AAC group? And I was just like, I've never even thought about that. My whole, I did like a 10-year plan of where I want to take Breathe, I did not even thought about that. And so I went back home, and I was just like, doing a pros and cons list So what, what would it mean for me to leave Breathe as a one-man band to do actually having a team and support system and just extremely dedicated people and the obvious answer was yes and so uh, i was like absolutely let's have let's have a chat and then the the chat was i'd be coming on board as a new ceo at the asc uh at breathe would be acquired and we'd do everything i plan to do in breathe under the asc but also scale that up more so do things but fine
0: but th- that's a but that's a to get acquired is one thing, but then to be acquired, to be rolled into a CEO role, that's, that's different. Like you didn't have any kind of organizational design, any leadership, formal leadership, like none of that was on the cards in terms of what you had done. How did you go from a conversation about being acquired to being the CEO?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So When we first started having a chat, again, just touching base on what this looks like in terms of collaboration, um, again, my expectation and the thing I communicated was I'd love to come in for a 90-minute workshop, you know, compliment what you're doing. So that was genuinely my expectation. And so a couple of months went by since our first chat. um, And then uh, we we were having it. And then he messaged me and he was just like, oh, what would it take for you to breathe under the AAC group? Again, there was no expectation. We were just figuring it out. I think we met in Melbourne once when I was in Melbourne and he was in Melbourne as well. And the, he gave me about three options. So one of the options was me come on board as CEO and lead the ASC, uh, the Australian School of Entrepreneurship. The other one I think was come on board as like a as like a chief growth officer and be an employee and that side. And the other one was I think they were planning to do something else with the ASC. And for me, my communication to him was, I'd love to. I think it's an incredible project. I'm already building breathe. I don't want to be an employee. I want to be someone who has creative freedom, someone who has skin in the game so that if something goes right, I can say, oh, I contributed to that. If everything goes horribly, I can say I contributed to that. I want to have skin in the game. That's what gives me excitement. And so for me, I was like, I see those two options that you've laid out. I'm leaning towards the formal one. Again, I am young. I I, I just turned 22. I don't have much experience in terms of leadership. I come from a healthcare background. But one thing I do have is work ethic. I have sheer work ethic to get what I want to get. I'm obsessed with these things. So if we want to collaborate, I want this to be more of a partnership. And Taj, again, extraordinary human being, incredibly talented. That's what we agreed on. For this to be a more of a co-founded partnership thing where we have skin in the game, equity in the company, all of that good stuff to ensure that if things go well, we all you know, benefit. If things go horribly bad, we all suffer the consequences. And that's why I think I came on board as an external. I never started AAC, but I work seven days a week. I put, you know, hours upon hours because I know I've got skin in the game and I'm dedicated to this because this is my baby as well. This isn't something in me as an employee. I can grow this from the ground up. And so I think that's what was the conversation that came out of it.
0: You know, being that young and kind of understanding what you want and and being willing to speak up for yourself, particularly when you're in a position where you might perceive you don't have the bargaining power your bit starstruck is important and you were able to answer that call was Taj the CEO at the time did you take over from him
1: no so Taj is the founder and sort of the group CEO so he takes care of the entire group so under the ASC group we've got a bunch of initiatives uh and he's sort of like almost like a chairman founder uh, um the the OG as we call it Uh, and i may take care of entrepreneurship um sort of the entities under it so yeah it's a, it's a really good partnership and you know especially when you scale up a company for example there's so many roles and responsibilities that come out of nowhere and so we sort of you know always like tag team it in the sense that take care of this take care, you take care of this and then another week it's like i need emphasis on this like i said we all put emphasis on this it's almost like a you know like our roles are very fluid in the sense of how do we grow with the asc group depending on the time um that that we're working on so for example uh, we've got our Young Entrepreneurs Summit, our Yes event's coming up. So all of our focus you know, at this time is for our events next month. After that, it would be the Self-Employment Assistance Program, or after that, it would be we're going to get a curriculum for Australian schools around entrepreneurship. So it's really fluid. And I feel like I, we all do everything, but it's just like defined roles are in that sense. Yeah, so I've come on board as almost like to take care of the entities under it.
0: What have been some of the greatest challenges and things that you've had to kind of deal with and maybe your own personal shortcomings or limitations within yourself but also external challenges in terms of the business sense that you've had to deal with since you've come on
1: yeah absolutely i think my biggest challenge has definitely been you know i i came from breathe where i was a one-man person so one-man band uh, running Breathe all the way to it now to a team you know i think that adjustment was very difficult for a personal level because I went from doing everything to myself to my team team members saying, hey, you can delegate. You can tell me to do this. And so I think that was the biggest struggle, telling myself that I don't have to do everything alone. Like I said, I'm a workaholic. I love my work. But also understanding that there are other people in the team that outcomes and results aren't the only thing. It's the whole idea of human-centered care that we need to focus on. And so I think my biggest challenge has definitely been that, people, um, how to get out of their mindset of, i just need results i just need to grow i just need to, to to build this company and make more money and revenue and all these things for this company to flourish but also focusing on that what is a company without people so i think I, that's been my biggest learning curve how to take care of people how to understand different people's personalities conflict resolution like you know there, been, there's been some instances where things have happened um in, in the company i'm like oh okay so what's next? And they realize, oh, I'm the CEO. I'm supposed to do something about it. You know what I mean? Like telling myself that, no, you have to do everything. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think that has been the biggest sort of learning curve. It's been both exciting, and rewarding, but also quite stressful at times. But I guess that's, that's the journey you go through, learn, you know, try and te- try, test different things and see what happens, see what sticks, what doesn't stick.
0: you had to apologize to anyone yet?
1: Have I had to apologize? Absolutely. Many times, you know, I... Like I said, I, I've got a big philosophy of failing forward. I think my first two, three months at see, I was very much under the impression of, I want everyone to like me. I can't make mistakes. I have to do everything until 2 a.m., 3 a.m., just so people like me. And then you realize, you know, that that's not, that's not sustainable. That's not helpful to anyone. And so now I'm just like, and I've communicated this to our team, I'm a young CEO. I'm going to make many mistakes. And so I will make mistakes. But as long as I, you know, as long as I can dedicate and commit and show to you that even when I do mistakes, I am willing to make that better. I'm willing to apologize. I'm willing to improve on that. Don't give up on me. And when I give up on myself and wanting to change, you can give up on me. You can, you know, do whatever you want. But as long as I don't give up, I want you to gamble with me on a lot of these things. And so, you know, for example, you recently just got investment from an ex-Shark Tank judge uh recently got a big government contract and so at 22 of these are things that i'm just like i've never even thought about this i need to be you know i should be in a dark corner checking people's eyes you know so it's like that adjustment period has been a massive sort of again learning curve but also things that i know in the long run will help me a lot if i make big mistakes now it'll help me you know be more wiser uh, and in the future
0: how do you look after yourself gene with all this activity man
1: how do i look after myself um i think for me i have a, a few non-negotiables as they say so for example for me i don't if i'm not physically taking care of myself i will be i will be mentally very very miserable and so things like going for walks every day going to the gym these are non-negotiables for me every single day um other things like you know putting boundaries again when it comes to myself i don't have many boundaries or self-care rituals in the sense of I if I need to work until 2 a.m., I will work until 2 a.m. because I know the company depends on it. But also making sure that if I am to work late night, I go, you know, speak to my loved ones or call my mom or, um, you know, do things that I know that will make me feel better, like journaling or, you know, meditation. So I try to have these habits in place irrespective of what happens. I'll get busy, but as long as my habits and the fundamental things that keep me yeah, sane, um, those are the things that will always be in my sort of daily, daily rituals. And so, yeah, self-care habits, those are the things that I'd say has helped me. Again, it's not perfect. There are days where I've gone and not done any of those self-care, but then I'd come back and be like, okay, how have those days gone? Not so good. So let me go back to um, the proper habits. Yeah, so,
0: you know, I think where you're at, particularly with the business, it's requiring you to kind of rev up. And in many ways, because what you, you love what you do so much, you're actually getting energy from it. And I think that there's times where, you know, we all, particularly myself, I, I was raised by the hustle hard, the, the grind mentality, which I think we're starting to prove is it necessarily the best, whereas back in the day, you know, sleep was for suckers and all that stuff is changing but i still believe that there's a time when you have to really go hard and i think that working in sprints is a really good thing that i do like for me if i know i've got to really go hard for a period of time i know how long that time period is and i know how to oscillate between that level of energy and then slowing down and i think that's the key is having that rhythm it's all about energy management that's what it's all about it's all about the 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 long game with our energy and i think sorry i'm sick so my voice is a bit like the godfather but i think you're i I think you're you're in such a beautiful place where sacrifice is good it's it should be happening and you're actually getting energy from it i know that there's times when you're probably in the corner tired as fuck and you're over it whatever um and you'll you're young too and in and, and time will do time's thing and wisdom will accumulate for you and you'll have the the benefit of experience but i think what you're doing right now is great and i think that you're in a really good place and it's good to see you impacting um something that's so important education right i think traditional education i don't i wouldn't say it's failing us i do believe in good education although i didn't embark on it when i was a young kid i dropped out of school but educated myself later. And I think that we need different types of education and and that's what you guys are providing, right? You're providing optionality, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my motto for the ASA is, yeah, we are called the Australia School of Entrepreneurship, but our goal isn't for everyone to be, be an entrepreneur. I think if, that, if everybody was an entrepreneur, the economy would collapse. Like that would be horrible. Our goal has always been for everybody to have the entrepreneurial mindset. So that, for example... If another lockdown period happens and everybody feels miserable and helpless, this generation, whoever we work with can say, hey, I knew this was a horrible period, but I've got public speaking skills. I've got financial literacy skills. I've got all these skills. I can bounce back. I can be resilient. And so that's definitely our big, 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 big picture focus, but also, you know, making uh, innovation accessible. I think when you mentioned sort of our impact that we've been able to make, we have made a very dedicated sort of push into ensuring that the people we work with, whether it's three years old or the way to seventy five years old, to ensure that these individuals come from rural, regional, underprivileged communities. Because when you do leadership, when you do, you know, all these workshops or programs or events, it's always a serial offenders that turn up at every event. It's the same people who are, you know, don't get me wrong, some of them are resume stacking as I did when I was younger. Some of them, you know, come from private schools. They've got, you know, a lot of privilege in that regard. But what happens to those kids, for example, in rural Australia? In regional Australia, from youth justice systems, what happens to them? They fall through the cracks. And so we have a very big focus to ensure that um, young people in particular from disadvantaged communities can feel innovation, but also make it sustainable. Whether they want to start a business, whether they want to have a side hustle, whether they just want to be a really, really, really good employee, whatever it is, as long as they have the confidence to do so, that's been my goal. And that will continue to be my goal as long as I'm at the ASU.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I think we'll land a plane there. Jane where can people learn more about yourself and your business, man?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So they can definitely reach out through the ASC website, www.asc.edu.au. And I'm also on almost every social media. So if anybody needs any support or just wants to chat, feel free to reach out at Jain's But yeah, always, always open to chat and seeing the magic we can create together. Thanks for your time, brother. Thanks for
0: having me, man. Hey, folks. Thanks for joining me on this episode. With all the options out there, I am super grateful that you spent time with me. I hope that you've received value from this conversation. And if you have, I've achieved my goal. Your support is really appreciated. If you really, really like the show or you want me to know how we can make it better, please do leave a review letting me know and the world know your thoughts, yeah? If you want to know more about Ultra Habits and what we're doing, go to www ugventures.co sign up for the quiz you'll get some really good insights into the archetype in terms of your habits and how you can improve your habits in your business and in your life you'll also get a weekly newsletter with some blogs episode updates i promise you we do not spam i absolutely hate spam and i think it's super unprofessional it's all about value so anyways folks until the next episode have a great week take care